The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out many save the dates? In the first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome back to Mobile Optimization Week on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and this week we're going to publish an episode every day covering what you need to know about the technical optimizations that will improve your performance and visibility on your mobile sites. Okay, joining us for Mobile Optimization Week is Cindy Crum, who is the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie, which is a mobile-centric set of tools and APIs that help SEOs gain better insights into their mobile site experience. Outside of leading the charge at Mobile Moxie, Cindy is the author of Mobile Marketing, Finding Your Customers No Matter Where They Are. And today we're going to continue our conversation with Cindy and discuss the impact of Google shifting to a mobile-first crawl. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, here's the second installment of Mobile Optimization Week with Cindy Crum, the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie. Cindy, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you back here for Mobile Optimization Week. Covered a lot of ground in our last episode talking about the landscape of mobile optimization. It's a big topic. We're in the early stages of it. Um, But I want to talk about something that is kind of a change in mindset for Google and SEOs all over the world in terms of how Google is prioritizing mobile versus desktop in terms of website content. Uh, Talk to me about, you know, the rationale behind Google moving towards a mobile first crawl and what impact has that had on SEO performance? So the change to mobile first crawling is is a really big deal, but I think a lot of SEOs are misunderstanding it, or at least are understanding it differently from what I understand it to be. And I don't think that's their fault. I think that Google has messaged it one way, but it's having an impact a slightly different way. 
So Google talked about mobile-first indexing as just switching to a mobile crawler and that the crawl was going to be... Or the indexing was based on only what was found in the mobile crawl, except that they would also keep anything that they found in a desktop crawl. That's very confusing messaging. I'm lost already. Right? Um, and it was because they kind of pivoted a couple of times and how they were messaging it. Because at first, they were talking about a separate mobile-first index when you get moved into the mobile-first index, which would imply like that's language that implies that it's something separate. And then they were like, no, 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 it's one thing. It's, it's definitely just one thing. So that's all very confusing. Um, but what... What I understand it as is, yes, they, they've switched to mobile-first crawling and indexing. But for a long time, they said that their default crawler was the smartphone crawler. So this is not a fundamental shift. Maybe they were still crawling as the smartphone, but indexing as the desktop or something else very confusing. I think that's all subterfuge. Like It's all just there to be confusing. Uh, what's really happening in my mind is that Google's mobile-first index is organizing information around the knowledge graph rather than around, oh, I don't know, topic clusters of URLs, which seems like how it was done before. So organizing things around the uh, knowledge graph is what we call entity-first indexing. So at Mobile Moxie, we think of mobile-first indexing as entity-first indexing. And that means fitting in content from the web around the knowledge graph. And that's important because it allows Google to do their machine learning faster. And it also allows Google to be better in languages where they have less machine learning because entities are language agnostic. So uh, does that make sense to you or do you want me to explain it? I guess I'm a little fuzzy on what you mean by entity first and the difference between what you're calling an entity and how that relates to the knowledge graph and then, you know, the difference between that and how it affects mobile. So, yes, I'm a little confused. Sure. <laughs> okay. So when we talk about entity first indexing, uh, it's basically fitting things into existing or new entities in the knowledge graph. So if you think about the knowledge graph as a graph, as a series of things that are related to other things in kind of a fabric, right? This And the relationships can be lateral, right? Taco is related to hamburger, but then taco is also related to lettuce and tomato, or it's related to food, right? The, these are multi-dimensional relationships. Mm -hmm. And those are things that Google knows and that Google can graph, right? They can mm -hmm. make these relationships and those relationships stay static regardless of what language or keyword you're searching in. So taco is always has the same relationship to lettuce and to food in every language. Does that make sense? Yes. And so those relationships can be put into the knowledge graph or ex already exist in the knowledge graph, potentially. I think I might understand tacos better than I understand mobile marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, well, bad pun. Go on. <laughs> so when you put things in... Um, the knowledge graph in this entity relationship, then you take out the reliance on language as the primary modifier. And the entity becomes the primary point of indexing, right? Uh, so let's, let's get away from taco because that might be confusing. Let's do mother. Mother has the same relationship to daughter, son, father, grandfather, grandmother mm -hmm. in every language, right? Even though we use different words to describe it. Mm -hmm. So if we start taking in machine learning data on the entity idea of mother rather than the keyword, 
mother, then we build um, our machine learning and our relationships much faster because we're not waiting for low volume languages to catch up with high volume languages. So Google's always been really great in English because it was built in English and because there's a lot of machine learning feedback and a lot of queries in English. So they can hit statistical significance really fast. But in smaller languages, they've struggled, which has made um, fighting spam harder and stuff like that. And it just means that they have a worse experience in the smaller languages. But when you back it up and you say, okay, stop doing this based on one language at a time, but do it based on entities and an entity is language agnostic, the relationship is true in every language, then they can learn and build their algorithm uh, faster in all languages. Does that make sense? I understand. I guess I always assumed that the mobile crawl first was Google getting to the point where they're saying, hey, there are more queries that are happening from mobile devices. So we need to prioritize mobile optimized search first before we get to the desktop crawls. It sounds like I am way off. Well, I mean, that's the way Google's been messaging it. But that doesn't tell us anything about why why did they need new indexing on that? That's mobile crawling, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But did they need... Why, why, why did it take them two years to figure that out? I think there's just more to the story. Okay, so there's, it, sounds, it sounds like there's a story behind mobile indexing, which is Google is crawling mobile first because the way that they're indexing has changed. So the information that they're gathering is more relationship-based and less driven by yes. a specific language. Right. Right. And that's because, which we we alluded to in the last episode, that's because the relationships are critical when you don't have a screen to help sort out or to help make it easy for someone to pick uh, what the right answer is. Google has to get the answer right on the first try, and they have to be able to drill down in a relational way when there's voice only, Mm -hmm. right? You don't get 10 options in voice. They have to get just the one. Right. Okay. So part of this is not only driven through the mobile device becoming the primary mode of content consumption. It also has to do with Google trying to get better at language processing with an eye on the future in terms of voice search. Right. I think that they want to use the same index for voice and mobile phone, right? They want to be able to leverage what they've learned to provide a great voice-only result as well. Okay. So talk to me about the impact this is having, the mobile-first crawl and and Google's change and how they're indexing or how they're approaching indexing. Um, In terms of business results, you know, are there specific people that are taking advantage of mobile crawls being prioritized? And what's the results that you've seen driven? Yeah. So what's happening right now is for a long time, we had the increase of knowledge graph showing up and pushing everyone down. And then we had the increase of featured snippets. And now we have double featured snippets and hybrid featured snippets and all of these things. And what happens there is that if Google hosts it, they trust it. So they'll likely rank it better. So that we talked about that last episode with AMP, but also featured snippets, they host or cache the answer and the images that go with it. Um, and now they're serving those in the people also ask dropdown, mm-hmm. right? They're turning Google more into an answer engine 
than a search engine. People aren't searching for websites. They're searching for answers. The answers just used to always be on websites. Uh, or that was the only thing that Google could get. But now they're basically lifting and caching all of the, the answers that they can find, whether it be text, video, audio. So having a business that does more than just text, we call it being a multifaceted business. So having video, having audio, doing podcasts, that's all great because that's harder to game. In terms of signals of trust to Google, for a long time, it's been about links, but people gamed that like crazy. They've said they want to get away from giving links as much weight as they always have. And one way to do that would be to value high engagement, um, high quality multimedia content like video and audio. And so that's where I think the businesses need to be focusing to, to really do a great job. And then also GMB, Google My Business, because that's a direct feed and Google hosts it. Anything that Google hosts, they're going to rank. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Yeah, I guess the, the question that I have is what is that? I, I understand that the rich media content is impactful. How is that related to the shift towards mobile first crawling? Like why is, sure, rich snippets and featured snippets and, and all of the answer type content uh, that Google can extract, no matter what medium it is—video, voice, you know, text—all um, of that is being prioritized. But Google shifted to mobile-first crawling. Why are the two related? I think it's a—they're um, almost not related. I mean, Google has said mobile-first crawling or mobile-first indexing and mobile-first crawling are the same thing. In my mind, whether they're crawling with a desktop user agent or a mobile user agent. Uh, doesn't matter as much as what they're prioritizing in a search ranking, right? Like we only care about what user agent they're they're crawling with because we want stuff to rank. And the stuff that's ranking since mobile first indexing launched is answer-based content and the number of featured snippets, like according to stat, number of featured snippets has gone six X up. Six times as many featured snippets. 
to rank in Google. It's now about getting the knowledge graph, featured snippets, being in found on the web. It's about being in a hosted inclusion because those are getting images and those are where the engagement is in a mobile search result. Blue links are not getting the engagement. So, Sydney, I want to double back a little because I, I guess there's a, a little confusion in my head where we're talking about the format of content. And I totally hear and agree with you that, you know, building content that fits, you know, these knowledge graph featured snippet placements are important. That seems to be something that matters for desktop and for mobile. When we think about the mobile crawl, what is the impact of mobile crawl and how is it related to that? featured snippet, you know, sort of change in prioritization of content? Sure. So um, what Google's documentation focuses on for the mobile crawl or mobile-first indexing is that they say you need to make sure that your content matches between the desktop and the mobile rendering. And that includes links, internal and external, or it includes just the content, it includes schema, it includes hreflang. So, so that's the main thing. And if your if your mobile rendering of your site doesn't include that stuff, then Google says you might not rank as well. But they also still maintain that they have desktop only rendering. Again, I think their messaging there is a bit confusing. But you should make sure that you know exactly what is being sent by the mobile version of your site. So what, and especially uh, Google didn't focus on this, but make sure all your canonicals are right. And if you're doing separate mobile pages in a mobile subdomain or a mobile subdirectory, then you have a bigger concern. But Google says if you're doing responsive design, you really don't have to worry about the mobile-first crawl. Mm -hmm. But there are... The only other impact or thing to think about here is deferred JavaScript rendering, which was part of mobile-first indexing where they said Google's not going to try and execute your JavaScript on the first crawl anymore. They're going to queue it up in a separate process and that it could take up to a week for your JavaScript content to be crawled. And that changes some of their previous recommendations because they used to, for instance, recommend inlining some of your uh, critical JavaScript in the head tag. Uh, now Google said, no, 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 don't do that anymore because it means your whole head tag might be delayed in deferred JavaScript rendering. So anything that's really critical Still, you need to keep it out of JavaScript. And, and some of the, the SEOs that focus on JavaScript, like Bartosh uh, and Elephate, have done more studies and shown that deferred JavaScript rendering still is not perfect. Still, JavaScript can hurt you. Yeah, so that's the main thing. The other thing that I think was made possible for indexing that's it's not mobile first crawling, but it might be considered mobile first indexing is Google quietly launched an indexing API where you can just send them a list of pages that you want in the index or send them a list of pages that you want removed from the index. That's a big freaking deal. It kind of reminds me of 1995 when we were submitting URLs to search engines directly. But this is what I was talking about where like I think that we're just on the brink of a whole new way that searches are going to look and that SEO is going to be done. I think I get it now where, you know, you we're talking about Google's documentation where they are essentially saying, make sure that your desktop and your mobile content matches up the links, the content, the form, and really we're going to crawl mobile first. And we're going to look at that experience and we're going to make sure that it matches against desktop. And if there isn't a great match, then there is potentially a 
penalty in terms of rankings. Then you get in all this really confusing stuff about like, well, what, how do we handle JavaScript? And there's, you know, all these other ways that the mobile and the desktop experiences aren't alike, but they're trying to get it to be like, we're going to look at mobile first. And I am simplifying this as much as I can to the length of my understanding. We're going to look at mobile first. We want mobile to be the same thing as desktop so we can rank your sites accordingly based on the experience, but we don't really want to have to do a deep crawl of both environments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but I'm going to warn you, the internet and especially Google hates the word penalty. So it's more like it's a missed opportunity to rank because you're not sending all the right signals. That's what we're supposed to say instead of penalty. Right, right. Not a not a penalty. It's just a way that they're going to punish you. I mean, something different. Totally different. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, lots, lots to get into. I think that my takeaway here with mobile-first indexing is... You know, your mobile is supposed to match your desktop in terms of content and some of the external signals. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have a huge business impact. Really, the the bigger thing that's going to affect your business is the content that you have in both experiences and trying to get knowledge graph featured snippet type content because that's the direction that Google's going. Yeah. And let me just kind of close the loop on the entity-first indexing here because I think it's important to look back on, for instance, John Mueller's AMA that was right around the time that mobile-first indexing really launched. If you look at the questions that he chose to answer and the feedback that he gave, so much of it was about hreflang. Like he avoided a lot of the mobile-first indexing questions or topics or just really doubled down on hreflang. And this is one of the many signals that made us look at why is he focusing or why is the messaging focused so much on language. And uh, this is where we kind of settled on this entity-first indexing idea. And we've actually proved it out in some studies where knowledge graph is treated differently from a language perspective than a regular search result. So if you do a search in Greek, but your search settings or your phone settings are set to Japanese, the blue links and the regular old school organic results will be in Greek. But since your phone settings or your search settings are set to Japanese, knowledge graph comes back in Japanese. Fascinating. So what we're saying is that Knowledge Graph is trying harder to suit your specified preferences. And that is important for voice search. But the more you can clearly express things about language, things about classification like schema and where you would fit in the Knowledge Graph, the easier time Google is going to have in mobile-first crawling and indexing, getting your stuff in the right spot in the Knowledge Graph. Interesting. Google's taking a different approach to how they're indexing and also what they're indexing. So I'm sure this will be an iterative process over the future. And I think we're going to dive into a couple more ways that Google is not only looking at your content, but how they're getting it to the consumers faster in our next episode. So that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Cindy Crum, the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie. We'd love to continue this conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Cindy, You can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter where her handle is Sussex, S-U-Z-Z-I-C-K-S. Or you can visit her company's website, which is mobilemoxie.com, M-O-B-I-L-E-M-O-X-I-E.com. 
And if you'd like a free month of their service, you can use the promo code SEARCHMETRICS in all caps. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you have any general marketing questions, or if you want to talk about this podcast, you can find my contact information in our show notes, or you can send me a tweet at Ben J. Shap. It's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed to discuss Cindy's tips for optimizing your mobile sites to use AMP. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you're feeling generous, we'd love for you to leave a review in the Apple iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But remember, until next time, the answers are always in the data.